Good morning, everyone. He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. You remember that day? You remember that day when he came to you? Broken in your sin, the world chewed you up and spit you out. And he said, I'll take you. I'll wash you up and I'll make you clean. What a precious and lovely Savior that we have. If you would, turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. We'll be going over question 32 again. This will be the third part of this study. Our question is, is wherein consists Christ's exaltation? Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead on the third day and ascending up into heaven. This morning we'll be speaking of in sitting at the right hand of God the Father and in coming to judge the world at the last day, which will be next week's study. Our theme verse I've read to you over a couple times in Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 15 through 19 this morning. It says here that who is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Christ, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And this is the point here, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The preeminent one, the first one. This morning we'll see that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who sat on his throne since before the world began and came in the likeness of human flesh, stepped down from that throne to be born under the law to redeem them who were under the law and that he ascended right back to that throne having all power and all authority. Let's pray and ask his help this morning before we get started. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the preeminent one, the one who by himself purged our sins and sat at the right hand of God the Father. Lord, I pray for your help this morning, Lord, as I teach this. Let it be all of you, dear God, and none of me, Lord. Let the Spirit of the living God take these words and bring it to the ears of your church, Lord. And if there be any that be outside of Christ this morning, that you would open their ears, Lord, to hear this. And that they would repent of their sins and that they would bow to neither Christ today. Please help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. If you would, turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. And this be our primary verse, the text that the catechism gave me. Mark chapter 16, let's look at verse 19. And this was Mark's account of the Great Commission. 
when Jesus had spoke to his disciples after he resurrected and, that he was, and then he was taken up into heaven. It says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. You'll see that phrase a lot this morning, sat on the right hand of God. Turn to the 12th chapter of Mark while we're here. And let's look at verse 36. Christ right here referring to Psalm 110. He said, For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, being a prophet at that time, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Turn over to chapter 14 in Mark as well and look at verse 62. And the people were asking him at this point that he would speak to them plainly and tell them who he is. Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Look at chapter 22. Look at verse 44 here. And this is Matthew's account of this. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Again, in one more reference, the Gospel of Luke. Look at Luke chapter 20, verse 42. And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. Now I won't belabor every, every text <laughs> that was said here. But it seems to me that I found it almost 34 times studying for this. I think this is God's favorite Bible verse. Turn, let's, let's go to the origin of this. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 110. And this is the origin of it right here. It says that the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This here is an inter-Trinitarian conversation happening. The Father is speaking to the Son. And he's telling here, sit here at the place of authority, the place of power, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. I am a born-again believer. At one time, I was one of his enemies. 
this great king conquered me by his gospel and his love. Amen. If you would turn to Acts chapter 2. When Peter preached at Pentecost, this was one of the key points of his sermon. This preeminent king who sat on his throne. Look at verse 29, and I'm going to read a good bit of this passage. From verse 29 through 36. Peter preaching at Pentecost, he said, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, the place of supreme authority where the king sits. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith, of him, saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Let I'm sorry. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ, the King of kings. There is no one higher than this man, this God-man who came. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be ye baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 18. You don't have to turn there. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he gives the great commission. Therefore go. How can his disciples have went and preached that gospel if all power was not given unto our Lord? In the book of Psalms it says that he, the Lord, doeth whatsoever he wants in the heavens and in the earth. I declare to you this day, this king will not sit on a throne one day. He's sitting there right now, ruling and reigning. And he has since the beginning of time. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom of where there will be no end. And also there was no beginning. If you would turn to the book of Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 1. Let's look at eight verses 8 through 13. 
God the Father speaking here. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, the Father called the Son God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doeth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same. Thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels hath he said at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died the death that we deserve, was resurrected. He did not gain that authority and power by that act. He already had it. He told them, no man taketh my life. I give it away freely. He was in full control the whole time. No one nailed him to a cross that he didn't commit from the beginning of time to be laid upon. In John chapter 17, if you turn there, we'll see in his high priestly prayer the glory that he had before he even came. The throne that he already sat on. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. And these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory, and notice here, which I had had with thee before the world was. My only hope in teaching this catechism is you to see how big your God is. He's a big God. He's a loving God. But he's also a God of absolute wrath that will not pass over sin. For those of you who have been saved for your sins, he didn't just forget about it. He poured out his wrath upon the Lord Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for your sin. And if you're outside of Christ and you want nothing to do with him, I do not mean to be mean-spirited to you. But one day that wrath will come upon you. Either that wrath will be poured on Christ, your substitute for your benefit, or it will be poured out on you one day. I warn you, take that to heart. 
I'll read a few more verses to you. What Peter said of this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, you don't have to turn to these texts. Peter said, Who is gone? into the heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Complete authority. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, speaking of Christ, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 12, 2, a familiar scripture to most of us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. And we normally stop right there. But the next part of the verse says, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 8, 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. In other words, what the writer of Hebrews has said all the way up to this point. This is the point. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. We could trust him. We could put our faith in him. Why? Because he owns everything. Everything belongs to him. And when he comes back on that last day, he's not coming back as a slain lamb. He's coming back as a lion to take what is his. Mine, mine, mine. Romans 8.34, Paul says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Do you know your king prays for you? When we don't know what to pray, the scripture says that the spirit comes out, speaks out from us with groanings that cannot even be uttered. Even when we're in the midst of the deepest trial, we're not left alone. The spirit even makes intercession for us. Your king makes intercession for us. Seated at the right hand of God, the place of absolute authority and power, ruling and reigning forever and ever. Revelation chapter eleven fifteen says this, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's not a thing that will happen. It's a thing that's already happened. Why can you bank on what Christ has given us in this scripture? All power in heaven and earth has been given. If you would turn to Psalms chapter 2. We'll see the sweet psalmist of Israel talk about this king. And I'd like to read a whole chapter to you. It's only 12 verses. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, his king. Saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. I'm one of those heathens that he saved, that he conquered with his love and his gospel. And the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. When the king returns on that last day, will you be, re, will you be ready to meet this king? I've given a gospel call this morning, and this news demands a response. Not to me, but to this king who has sent me to declare this message. What will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or better yet, on that day, what will he do with you? If you would, turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll wrap this up this morning. Now, our God is a God of love. I'm not trying to paint him as some monster this morning. But I want you to understand the seriousness of sin. For God so loved the world that he gave. He come and took the place of sinners that would put their trust in him. But those who will refuse, there will be no grace. Philippians chapter 2. Bear with me. I'm having trouble finding it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Let's look at verse 9 first. It says, Wherefore God hath, also, hath highly exalted him, speaking of Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in earth and things in earth. I'm sorry, and the things in heaven first and the things in earth second and the things under the earth. 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those who have bowed the knee to Christ now, there will be a day that those who are outside of Christ, they will bow their knee as well. But they will bow their knee in his sore displeasure when what it spoke of in Psalm chapter 2, where he would put that rod on their back. You remember when Jesus was arrested in the garden and the soldiers came unto me and and he asked, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. The scripture says that they fell back. His power displayed that he was a king right then and there. They bowed the knee, but not in a salvific way. That is a picture of what will happen one day. But he will not be led to a cross that day. He will not be led to judgment that day. He will lead to judgment. In Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7, I'll leave you with this scripture this morning. You don't have to turn there. You can if you like. Isaiah says here, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I give you a call this morning if you're outside of Christ. Will you bow the knee to him? The scripture teaches us that many are called, a gospel call, but few are chosen. Your sin will be paid for one way or the other. Either it will be laid on Christ or it will be laid on you. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that you tell us in Ephesians, Father, that while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins, God, that you came and you made a way to save us, dear God. Lord, I pray that you take my feeble words this morning, Lord, and that you would send it forth to accomplish what your will would be, Lord. Help us the rest of this morning, dear God. Bless the devotion with the children about to come up. The preaching service in the next hour be with our brother Jimmy, Lord, as he declares our word, your word, Father. There'd be anybody here, God, that doesn't know you. I pray that you give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Have you have sent your ambassadors forth, Lord, to make peace. To make peace with your creation that's rebelled against you, Lord. But when this time is up, Lord, there'll be no more peace. There'll be no more offer of mercy. Help us, dear God. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.